Hello and welcome to the GTR News Brief. It's Wednesday, September 23rd, and here are a few of the top stories from the world of trade and trade finance this week. Payments network SWIFT has unveiled a dramatic overhaul of its infrastructure, which will see it expand its focus beyond financial messaging into end-to-end transaction management services. The retail platform, which will be fully live over the next two years, will use APIs and cloud technology to provide a set of common processing services that banks have historically invested in individually. Examples include pre-validation of essential data, fraud detection, data analytics, transaction tracking and exception case management. In other news, the Bankers Association for Finance and Trade, or BAFT, has released a series of guiding principles to define the essential criteria for the use and structuring of payables finance. Produced by BAF's Global Trade Industry Council, which is made up of heads of trade from 19 of the world's largest trade banks, payables finance principles lays out a framework for delivering and building payables finance supply chain finance programmes. It also provides clarity to ratings agencies and other stakeholders to avoid confusion around what payables finance actually entails. Demand for payables finance, along with other types of supply chain finance, has soared in the wake of the pandemic as liquidity pressures drive firms to seek out working capital tools. Projection rates for trade finance applications for SMEs in Africa are on the rise, with bank participation in activities decreasing. The continent's trade finance gap, estimated to be more than $81 billion, is also growing, finding new reports by the African Development Bank and the African Export-Import Bank. Conducted over 2011 to 2019, the report titled Trade Finance in Africa, Trends Over the Past Decade and Opportunities Ahead, is based on a survey of more than 600 commercial banks across 49 African markets. Now we take a closer look at a story we covered briefly in last week's podcast. Earlier this month, the UK agreed a free trade agreement with Japan, the first deal of its kind since it left the EU earlier this year. The FTA, which is due to come into force at the start of 2021, will eliminate tariffs on 99% of goods traded between the nations, while also reducing trade barriers in services exports. In a change to my usual role as host of the GTR News Brief, I fielded questions from editorial director Shannon Manders about the agreement. In our chat earlier, I explained some of the key details of the deal and what it means for British businesses and banks. There's been a lot of hype about this free trade agreement, What is the significance of the FTA for the UK and what are some of the details outlined in the deal? Sure. So when the deal was announced, it was nearly two weeks ago now, the UK government really hyped up, describing it as historic. And the reason for this is it's the first major trade agreement the UK has struck since it left the EU on the 31st of January earlier this year. So it's the first time since Britain became an independent trading nation that it secured an FTA with a major economy. Uh, Japan has the third largest economy in the world. Uh, and just as a bit of context uh, as to why else, it's, why else it's significant, of course, Britain is currently in the transition phase of Brexit and is trading with nations just as it did when we were in the EU. But at the end of the year, all of this comes to an end. 
So the government's been rushing around trying to do either one of two things. It's either attempting to roll over trade deals it had when it was part of the EU. The EU has about 40 trade deals, and so far the UK's managed to roll over nearly 20 with countries like South Korea and Switzerland. Or it's trying to strike new arrangements uh, with countries like Australia, US and Japan. And with Japan, it's managed to get one over the line, um, although the agreement does still need approval from the Japanese parliament. Uh, so the hype is also around this fact that the UK has managed to secure a new deal, one that's different to pre-existing EU arrangements. So International Trade Secretary Liz Truss uh, very much hyped up the fact that the UK-Japan FTA goes, in her words, far beyond the existing EU-Japan trade deal which was made in 2018 and which had been governing UK trade with Japan for the past couple of years. Um, but in truth, the Japan-UK FTA mirrors the EU-Japan deal in many areas, um, but although, although there are a few differences... Uh, the UK's Department for International Trade says that 99% of UK exports to Japan will be free of tariffs and there have been reductions on certain products. So there's been tariffs on UK pork, beef, salmon and a range of other agricultural products. These have been reduced, the DIT says. Uh, and DIT adds that the FTA will also reduce trade barriers in services, including in the digital sector and the financial services sector, uh, financial services are Britain's biggest export to Japan, accounting for nearly 30% of all UK exports to the country. Uh, the new agreement also contains new rules on intellectual property and data. Meanwhile, Japan have managed to secure some benefits for their exporters. Uh, in the months leading up to this latest announcement, uh, GTR had reported that the auto sector would be one focus of discussions. Um, as part of the EU-Japan deal, um, tariffs on autos are due to be phased out by 2026, but Japan had wanted to speed this process up with the UK. Um, that hasn't happened. Tariffs on autos are still gradually going to be phased out until they reach 0% in 2026. But what's ended up happening is that tariffs on Japanese auto parts, so not the whole car itself, but parts, have been reduced which benefits Japanese car makers like Nissan and Hitachi. So the UK government seems to have big plans in terms of how this deal will boost trade with Japan, right? The UK government initially announced that the FTA would boost trade between the UK and Japan by £15 billion in the long term. It also said it would provide a £1.5 billion boost to the economy, which equates to about a 0.07% increase to GDP in the long run, the government says. But it's worth taking a pause here because the UK government has since clarified this estimated increase is based on a 2018 benchmark. So it's taken 2018 UK-Japan trade levels as its starting point. So the benchmark is using is taken from a period when the EU-Japan trade deal hadn't yet come into play. Uh, so this projector boost is not from current levels. It's not saying the new FTA will, be, will make us £15 billion better than if we'd stayed with the EU-Japan arrangement so I think that's probably worth noting. Can you talk us through some of the responses that have been elicited from British businesses and banks on the back of the deal announcement? Yeah, sure. So when the announcement was made, British businesses and banks very much welcomed the deal. Uh, companies have been facing the prospect of having to trade with Japan on WTO rules 
which would have seen tariffs imposed on most goods. So the FTA is a welcome boost for many. Uh, Head of Trade for HSBC UK, Ian Tandy, says the FTA will provide continuity in training conditions from the start of next year and some reassurance for the 8,000 UK SMEs who are already exporting there. And the Director General of the British Chambers of Commerce, Adam Marshall, welcomed what he called the milestone free trade deal. But in his statement, he was also quick to say the UK now needs to focus on getting a deal done with the EU. Talks are obviously lagging there. And Boris Johnson previously said he would walk away from the, from the negotiating table if an agreement with the EU was not reached by October 15th. So that date's really marching on. And it is worth pointing out DIT figures from 2018 show that the UK's trade with the EU was worth over £650 billion, while that with Japan came in and came in at under £30 billion. It's been said that the agreement with Japan may have implications for another future trade agreement, namely the CPTPP. What are you hearing about the UK's plans in terms of this deal? As a bit of context, the Comprehensive and Progressive Agreement for Trans-Pacific Partnership, otherwise known as the CPTPP, which is a bit of a mouthful, uh, was established in 2018 by 11 countries. This list is Australia, Brunei, Canada, Chile, Japan, Malaysia, Mexico, New Zealand, Peru, Singapore and Vietnam. And the free trade area removes tariffs on 95% of goods traded between its members. And the UK has made moves in the past few weeks or the past couple of weeks to sign up. Um, just a couple of days ago, uh, just a couple of days before the UK-Japan FTA was announced, the UK government said it had started accession talks with the CPTPP. Um, the UK government is keen to get access because it says it would reduce costs for businesses and create new economic opportunities for UK exporters. Um, and when the UK-Japan FTA was signed, it said this was a significant step for joining the CPTPP as well. Um, as part of the new FTA deal, Japan said it's committed to helping Britain get access. Um, but at the same time, while this deal might prove a boon to UK exporters, Ross Denton, head of international trade at law firm Ashurst, says that Brexit might ultimately hinder companies from making the most of the CPTPP. So even if the UK manages to join the agreement, there's this argument that UK businesses that are struggling with Brexit might not be able to grasp the new opportunity. Thanks for listening to this episode of the GTR News Brief. We'll have more stories from the world of trade and trade finance soon. The music used for this episode was provided by Kevin McLeod with his track Loopster, as well as South London Hi-Fi with their track Sunrise Drive. Thanks for listening.